Life in Accounting, the Where Accountants Go podcast. Life in Accounting is the podcast for everyday heroes like you working in the accounting profession. Are you ready to hear from accounting influencers, thought leaders, visionaries, and other professionals leading change in the accounting world? Then stay tuned for Mark Goldman, a CPA, the owner of Where Accountants Go, and your host. Welcome to Life in Accounting. So right now we have the capability to offer full-service cryptocurrency services, meaning you could be an investor or you could be a miner or you want to do an ICO. Hello, everyone. I'm Mark Goldman, a CPA and your host for Life and Accounting, a podcast production of whereaccountantsgo.com. We have another unique show for you today. We've done episodes with multiple partners from the same firm on the show at the same time before, but never quite this early in the firm's growth. And actually, growth is a really good word to use here. In this episode, we have Joe Gallegos and Sheehan Chandrasekara, partners in JAG CPAs there in the Houston area. And as of the time we are recording this, they're just celebrating their first anniversary of the firm. And you're going to hear this in the recording itself, but they've already assembled a cohesive team. They're a JAG. They're growing at a very respectable rate. One of the aspects of the conversation or discussion that we had that really stuck out for me personally was how well Sheehan and Joe's individual strengths really complement each other there as partners. It's an exciting story that they have to tell. If you do find this episode has been valuable to you, please visit us at whereaccountantsgo.com to subscribe to the podcast, or you can do so on your favorite podcast app as well, of course. Also, we have links to all the prevalent certifications in the accounting world there as well. That site, once again, is www.whereaccountantsgo.com. With that, let's go ahead and get started. Here are the partners from JAG CPAs in Houston, Texas, Joe Gallegos and Sheehan Chandrasekara. Well, hello, Joe and Sheehan. Welcome to the show. How's it going, Mark? Hi. Thanks for having us. No problem. Well, for the audience, we've done a few programs where we've had multiple guests on the line at the same time, and this is going to be another one of our multi-guest episodes, so to speak. We have two partners from JAG CPAs in the Houston, Texas area on the line, Joe Gallegos and Sheehan Chandrasekera. Sheehan had noticed the podcast actually around the same time that I had come across their firm online, and then one of their team members lined us up to be able to have this conversation. So I'm really excited about it because they definitely have some unique things going on there at JAG, and each of them is only a few years out of college, so this is going to be quite a discussion. (laughs) Well, guys, before we get into your current situation and the firm itself, of course, let's Talk a little bit about your backgrounds prior to working together. And Joe, why don't you go first? Tell us about your background prior to the firm. How did you even get your start in accounting? All right. I think it probably started back and I would say the seeds started getting planted back where I come from. I'm a small town guy, so I grew up in El Campo, Texas. A lot of people think it's by the valley, but it's actually between Houston and Victoria. And, you know, I found myself back in, you know, I think they still have the programs, but they had a program called a GT. Now I may be pre-AP or AP. And so I found myself around a bunch of bright 
kid that came from affluent families and me being a first generation, you know, I noticed they were talking a language and talking about experiences that, you know, I never really never understood or never experienced myself. And so ended up going to school at Texas State University in San Marcos around my sophomore year is when I decided to go ahead and pursue accounting. So it was based off of my experience I had growing up, realizing that I wanted to do something pretty important and also pretty challenging. And so becoming a CPA was that challenging task. And so I ended up getting my master's at Sam Houston. I came out in 2009, which if anyone remembers, that's basically around the recession. So jobs were very limited. It was very hard to find opportunities. I just missed it because prior to that happening, they were giving out, you know, the big four was giving out sign-on bonuses to intern, you know, $5,000 sign-on bonuses to intern. So I missed that, but found myself with the opportunity to work at KPMG, intern there, got a full-time offer, spent roughly a little bit over two years working in methods and credit, and then working on some compliance, made the drop-off into the small and medium-sized world. Briggs and Baselka did that for roughly over a year, then was approached with an opportunity to be a manager. And at that point in my career, you know, I'm about three and a half years in, that was a big step for me. Decided to take it with the feeling or belief that I might not get this opportunity again at this stage of my career. And so made that jump, did that for almost two years, about a year and a half, and then found a jet. That's where I'm at now. Wow. So you were approached about being a manager three plus, a little over three years out, and we were still sort of in recession recovery at that point, I think. That's pretty impressive. Wow. Good deal. Right. So they actually approached me twice. The first time that they approached me, I told them no, mainly out of apprehension, but also, you know, I was at a good place. I was at a comfortable place. I felt that I could make a career, you know, where I was at at the time. And then just talking about it with my wife and her saying, you know what, I think you're ready. And so that was kind of the tipping point and made the jump and it ended up being a good move. Okay. What about you, Sheehan? How did you get started in accounting? What influenced you to become an accountant? So my situation is somewhat similar to Joe. I mean, I'm from a really, really small country, country called Sri Lanka. It's in the Indian Ocean. And nobody, honestly, know, don't even know about the country or even, you know, they haven't even heard the name of it. So basically, me and my family migrated to U.S., I would say, six and a half, seven years ago. We had a house in East Coast, New Jersey, to be exact. So I was there with them, and then I started going to college. I picked accounting because I always thought that was the safest way to go about life in general because, you know, I always had the idea that, you know, you got to know the numbers. You know, you could be an engineer or you could be a doctor, but if you don't know the numbers... How are you going to get your mortgage? You know, how are you going to go uh, negotiate a lease or a finance or a car deal? So that was the idea behind picking accounting as my career. So I went to William Patterson University, New Jersey. Before that, I went to Bergen Community College in Paramus. I graduated from there and then joined a regional firm as an intern. From there, I became an associate, got promoted as a senior, and then I worked as a supervisor in several accounting firms in Texas as well. And after that, I met with Joe, and I thought this was, this was the right time to make the move. And then, you know, I joined Jack as a partner, and here we are. Okay. Now, Joe, how long had you been in business when you met Sheehan? Let's see. Sheehan came on board beginning of this year, so we're going to be a year old next month. 
And I would say, yeah, so happy birthday, Jack. I would say probably eight months in, seven to eight months in. Okay. It was really early on. I didn't realize it was that early. Okay. Right. Good deal. Mm -hmm. Good deal. So how did that work? I know he didn't just walk in the door and say, hey, do you want to be a partner? You know? It doesn't normally work out that way. So just being in management and even in that time. So one thing that I would say is a strength that I have is that I can learn and assimilate really fast. And part of that's because of my background. Growing up in El Campo, being around a bunch of really smart people and then having to adapt to that situation. So even though you look at the time that I spent in management, you're saying, well, that's a year and a half. That may not be enough time to, you know, learn your people skills, learn your management skills, learn that thing. That was enough time for me. And so I was able to develop a skill for seeing, okay, this guy has it, this guy doesn't have it, or this guy's gifted in this way, they're not so gifted in this way. And so it's the middle of busy season. I'm overwhelmed. We've definitely were working on things and had more business than anticipated, you know, starting off being a one-man shop and basically having my wife there to help some to, you know, basically having a, a pretty good book of business and then still trying to be the manager, the partner, the supervisor, the senior, the associate on that account. And I had someone call me who was a mutual friend of us and say, hey, Joe, you're not going to believe it. But I have someone, a CPA, that is going to start his own practice. He's actually looking for a practice to buy, and he's willing to, you know, do some contract work during this time. Well, immediately in my head, I hear a partner because I've seen enough and been around enough, believe it or not, that I know that there's power in partnership. There's power in leverage. And so I just take a look at his profile and I say, you know what, this guy has some qualities that I like. And the fact that he's where he's at in his career and is willing to put money on himself, which is what it comes down to. I don't know if you ever see Shark Tank, but they always, 100% of the time, never give a deal to anyone who starts a business and is still doing their daytime job because they're not willing to bet on themselves. And so seeing that in Sheehan, that he was willing to bet on himself, I picked up the phone and I said, hey, I know that you know what you're getting into. But here, let me tell you what I just went through. Why don't you cut that out? Come with me. Let's figure out a way how we can make it work and build something together. I'm curious, Sheehan, what were your thoughts at that point? Did this just seem like the right thing immediately? Was Oh, well, yes, of course. Or did it sound like, <laughs> you know, there's this crazy guy on the other end of the phone <laughs> offering me to... Yeah, let's go in business. No, uh, to be honest with you, it didn't, it didn't seem the right thing because by nature, like, I'm very conservative, you know, I have a plan, you know, I go about everything in, in a very systematic nature, but something sparked me and Joe mentioned about Shark Tank. I think that's what made the difference because leading to the point that I met Joe, I've been watching like Shark Tank, like season by season, like every day. I think it really influenced me and I'm like, hey, I have a skill. I have the motivation, I want to be an entrepreneur. But then again, you know, I question myself, you know, I'm not an IT guy, you know, I cannot build anything, I'm not an engineer, you know, I don't have a patent or anything like that. What's my skill? My skill is to do taxes, you know, to the client management, you know, find things and, you know, optimize the tax situation. And, you know, why not take a bet on what you know, rather than, you know, trying to invent something or, you know, try to pursue a new business opportunity. So. Finally, I realized, you know, like I, I did the right thing. And also in my career that, 
you know, I can sense, you know, who's intelligent and, you know, who's not and, and also who's trying to look intelligent. So when I spoke to Joe, I, I can sense when my intelligence is challenged. I can sense that. And I'm not trying to brag or anything like that, but in my career, like, you know, it hasn't been challenged that often. And it's good that, that it's happening because I like to keep, you know, smarter people around me because that's good for the partnership. So I felt that from Joe and then obviously, you know, he's a little bit older than me, but he's not old. He's, he's young. <laughs> I'm the gray, I'm the gray hair of this firm. <laughs> and I thought, you know, this is great. You know, we both had the uh, American dream and the entrepreneurial spirit. But here, here's the deal. I mean, he, if you take one to ten, the spectrum of, I don't know, the two sides, but he's on the other side. I'm, I'm on the, the opposite <laughs> side, but we always, have good communication and be always meeting <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like y'all are a good uh, match uh, for each other. We are. I'm the gunslinger, so I'm Brett Favre, Tony Romo. He's more meticulous, so, you know, he's going to be a Tom Brady, Peyton Manning type. <laughs> <laughs> See, yeah, I think a- you're going to make me shed a tear over here, though. I appreciate <laughs> that, by the way. I don't think he's ever told me that face-to-face, so thank you, Sheehan. <laughs> <laughs> Probably <laughs> If, if y'all need a moment, we can pause the recording or something. <laughs> I, I want to give a little bit more insight to that, Mark, because we've come a long way in a short amount of time. And literally yesterday, I had someone text me, someone I worked with, and his text was, man, you guys are going 100 miles per hour. And we have gone a long way because, you know, part of that story of Gian coming and getting to know me is, you know, where we started. So now we're in a, you know, bigger space. We have our corner offices. We have our conference room. But before that, we had very humble beginnings. Let's just put it that way. So the audience, you know, knows where you guys have come from and, and where you are now. You've been in business a year and I know you've got some employees. Tell us about the firm. How many team members do you have now and what's the structure like? Sure. So we have a team of five, including Shion and I. We just brought on a new associate. We also have a senior level person who primarily works remote, also has some business development responsibilities. And then we have Bianca, who is oversees our operations. So there, we would say that she's probably handling a lot of, you know, the day in, day out things that you have to do, whether it's touching base with clients, getting things ready for client delivery, and she helps with that. Okay. Wow. All in one year. That is amazing. That is amazing. So what makes you guys unique? Well, there's a few components. I would say that one is we definitely look different. And what I mean by that is the profession, for the most part, at the leadership level, at the partner level, is not very diverse. There was a 2015 AICPA report. It was on the state of the profession, and it had some data points on diversity. And at that time, I want to say 6 to 7% of partners at U.S. public accounting firms are what you would call minority. And right off the bat, right, Shihan is from Sri Lanka. I'm a Mexican-American. And so, you know, our firm is 100% minority at that level. Two, we're young. At first, I think that that was something I was apprehensive about. What I'm finding is that, yes, maybe there's some clients who initially maybe feel or question, hey, is this a right relationship? Do they have enough experience? But once we're able to demonstrate that, hey, you know what? 
that's really not a factor. What really matters is our knowledge base, our experience, which we have a rich experience and a rich knowledge base, I would say. My saying, my popular saying that I always say to clients is, hey, there's nothing new under the sun. Those CPA firms use BNA, CCH, RIA. We have all of those platforms as well. And so there's nothing new under the sun. The, the learning curve is there. But once you get past it, I think that you can pretty much swing with anyone. Three, I would say that we put a big emphasis on speed and efficiency. One of the first things that I did was buy a Lean Six Sigma for service book. And I gave that to Xi'an. I have it personally. And I said to read it because this is the philosophy that we are going to adopt in our firm. I believe it's the Japanese culture that calls it Kaizen or Heisen, if I'm not mistaken. And what that essentially means is incremental improvement. And so we say that, we say, hey, this is what we want to accomplish. But we're also very practical on how we are accountable to that and how we measure that. And we have a lot of, we're very visual. Every week we, we run operational reports based off of operations. So operations, what I would say is the production part of it. We have a tax return we need to get out. Here's when it got in. Here's when it got out. So we're looking at reports like that. And then also on the financial aspect of it, which is between Xi'an and I, that we go through every week. And so I would say that there's a lot and I've been a lot of places. But what happens is I think most firms, like just like most organizations, is they have that spirit. Hey, let's be the best at XYZ. But what happens is there's a critical mass. And as organizations scale, it makes it very difficult to make changes, right? It's the same problem that you have, right? An elephant is going to be more difficult to move than a small rabbit, right? I mean, there's just there's different sizes. You know, the rabbit's going to be more nimble. And so us being a young organization and a small organization, we can pivot very easily and we can try new things and we can experiment. And that's something that I want to continue to have now and into the future is being able to pivot. And if something's not working, let's fix it. I don't care what we have to change. Let's fix it. Okay. Uh, Sheehan, I read on your website about cryptocurrency, and I'm so ignorant about that. But given that it's on your website, and, and obviously it's current news, I need to ask you guys about that. What kind of services do you provide around cryptocurrency? What are you guys doing exactly? So right now, we have the capability to offer full-service cryptocurrency services, meaning you could be an investor or you could be a miner or you want to do an ICO, meaning an initial coin offering. We can help you with the right accounting and tax consulting services. You know, right now, we are working with a couple of cryptocurrency exchanges, you know, who want to go to the business as a, as an exchange, you know, meaning an entity like Charles Schwab or E-Trade in the cryptocurrency market. So, so these are, these are like big projects and, and we are really fortunate and we are really happy to have those projects in the cryptocurrency market. And the other thing that, that I do for my crypto client is that being their virtual CFO, because whenever you have like a crypto or like a blockchain project, the developers, the marketing people, CFOs, they're like all over the world. So what I do is I just have a plan and milestones to achieve and certain deadlines. Basically, remotely, I run their project when it comes to financial taxes and the legal side. For the legal side, I work with the lawyers in Houston and, you know, in other parts of the world. And just like with any other regular business, a crypto or a blockchain entity, we have to do accounting, taxes, payroll, state taxes if applicable. So basically, we take care of all those areas in a blockchain project business. 
How did you get involved in that line of business? I mean, is it something you decided you wanted to be involved in and then you targeted or did you have someone approach you about it and say yes and then learn it from there? Or how did that happen? So I didn't know anything about crypto. I would say I think I got into the market one and a half, maybe two years ago. The common friend that me and Joe have, he showed me one day on his phone that, hey, I invested in something called Bitcoin and I invested $500 and right now it's $2,000. So I'm like, no, that, that's not possible. No, that's not, that must be a scam or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and then and he's like, no, no, I cash it out and you know you should check it out. Then I was still hesitant because, you know, I always played in the stock market and, you know, I was pretty set with my investment strategy. But then one day I had some time, so I started researching about Bitcoin and everything. And then I became a personal investor two years ago. I started investing in several exchanges and in several coins. I started mining and I really wanted to get my hands dirty and see how it really is, you know, from an investor's point of view. And then... I saw news where, you know, nobody, there's no direction about, you know, how to properly tax Bitcoin transactions or how to account for it, you know, certain treatment, whether it's a security or a non-security, utility token versus non-utility tokens. After that, I'm like, hey, somebody has to figure out a way, somebody has to put a guideline, you know, somebody has to write an article. So then basically I started reading the entire internet, searched for everything, you know, I still have my notes and looked at the SEC Act looked at all the articles, the IRS regulations, and then I wrote my article. And that's how I got into the blockchain and, and cryptocurrency industry. Okay. I just I was really curious if it was just an opportunity that came around at the right time or if you had targeted it. It sounds like you targeted and learned from the inside. So that's <laughs> really, really smart. Yeah. Learn from the, I think yesterday I got a call from somebody who is creating a crypto trading robot. And he said he tried reaching out to several CPAs in Houston and nobody got back to them. And the other thing is, whenever he sees a CPA in a networking event, he always asks, hey, how's Bitcoin? And the CPA is like, oh, that's great. You know, I wouldn't invest. That. That's it. They don't know anything more than that because that's something CPAs in general, they don't want to go to that area because they're, you know, CPA as an industry is an aging industry and they're comfortable with what they have. However, these younger generation is creating so much wealth through these new technologies and that type of clientele is very comfortable with talking to somebody like me who understand the technology and who is a part of the technology because I was an investor and I am an investor even right now. So that's the unique advantage that I have when I go to the networking events, especially related to blockchain technology because there are so many terms and things that you wouldn't know unless you actually do it. And I have done it. So that's the advantage I have. And also at the same time, I'm a CPA. So I can see those through my CPA eyes as well. Okay. So you guys have been in business one year. I guess, Joe, this is a question for you initially. What does success look like three, four or five years down the road? What are you guys aiming for? Well, I would say our aim is pretty high. And actually today, we just had a conversation today with an individual who has a accounting practice. And basically, we had a great conversation. I walk into Shihan's room. I do this a lot, by the way. <laughs> probably do it too much. And I said, Shihan, I think I've found some synergies. I think there's some synergies between this guy, our firm, and his, what he has going on. I think we should look at it. And so 
I think we've been really fortunate with finding people that have the same goals and mindset and then just figuring it out on how we can work together. When it comes to objective numbers and what we want to accomplish, we put on the board that we want to bill a million dollars by 2020. And what I'm finding in this market, I think it's actually happening around the United States because just talking to some of my account reps with some of these softwares they use, you know, because they're talking to CPAs all the time, is that it's really hard to lose in this market. You know, it's just supply and demand. The economy's booming. Baby boomers are retiring, so there's a lot of succession. And so I don't think that those numbers are unrealistic. And we talk about it all the time. We want to be a top 100 firm here in Houston. We want to be accepting awards on stage along with some of the companies that we work with ourselves. And there's no reason that we can't do it. We're aggressive. We have the infrastructure. We have the processes and the operations to do it. Right now, we're pretty much a plug-and-play firm, meaning we can go out, get a high-level manager who can come in, plug him in, and he's basically going to be able to operate the way he was operating at whatever firm he was working at. Because we have top-of-the-line software, we have top-of-the-line processes, and we have the skill set to be able to leverage that. Well, yeah, it sounds like you're making the right investments and systems and that kind of thing. That is perfect. Actually, I'm curious. Sheehan, Joe mentioned the quote was, we're going 100 miles an hour, I think, earlier. And something you know you hear so often these days is, you know, I want work-life balance. And <laughs> for those of us that are self-employed, maybe we have a different view of what work-life balance is. But I mean, y'all are young. How do you keep it balanced or, or how do you keep it reasonable? I think it comes down to discipline. I'm a strong believer that anybody should be working really, really hard when they're in their 20s and then relax in the mid-30s and for the rest of their life. And we have a pretty, I mean, I'm trying to keep my schedule pretty balanced. My technique is, you know, I spread out my work throughout the entire week, including Saturdays and Sundays, rather than working, let's say, from 9 a.m. to 1 a.m. So that's a strategy that has been working for me throughout my career. That way I get to take breaks in between, you know, have some family time and then go back to tax returns, you know, go back to networking. So that's how I try to balance my life. But, you know, right now at this stage, it's taking a lot of time from our personal lives, but that's okay because I see it as a big investment and it's just an investment of time and I'm okay with it and I know it's going to be profitable in the near future. What are your thoughts, Joe? I don't believe in it. No, I'm just joking. But really, you know, no, I mean, be realistic. I mean, a lot of firms out there, they try to sell you, you got work-life balance. And then, you know, I always tell people, hey, you know what, ask them what their billable hours are, what their goals are. And that will tell you right off the bat, yeah, they're going to give you 20 hours, 20 days of vacation, but you got to hit 1,800 billable hours, do the math. And so, you know, I mean, I just, it's one of those things that it's really hard. I think technology will make it easier you know, it's just one of those professions that it's gotten better. So I wasn't doing, obviously, I wasn't part of a CPA from 20 years ago, but I hear the story. So I know it's gotten better. But I think for the most part, you know, it's a profession. All right. And it's a privilege to be a CPA. And I think now I'm not a proponent of, you know, working to death and never spending time with your family. That's just not healthy. But for the most part, I just think the business is always going to be one of those professions that you're going to be expected to work hard. And, you know, so there's going to be a lot of that. And work is good, especially if there's a way that you can benefit from it. And that's the key is that I think that, you know, it's very hard to avoid working a lot. But firms have to be more creative in how they're rewarding their employees. 
and making sure that it's fair and equitable to them. Now, I will tell you, you can manage work-life balance by having the right operations and quality control procedures. Because if you're part of a firm that someone is always dropping the ball, with classical stories, this a partner goes to a discovery meeting, closes the deal, makes a lot of promises to the client, you get back to the office, you don't hear anything, and two months you're getting an email that, hey, you need to take care of this right now. And it's because during that meeting, the partner made some promises that you weren't aware of. And so now you're scrambling and you're working till 12 at night. That's avoidable. That's 100% avoidable. And there's no excuse for that. And if that's happening at our firm, I'm not being a successful leader. Shihan's not being a successful leader. And the staff probably hates us. And so you can be better at work-life balance in that regard. Because I'm okay with working hard but planning to work hard. I think the issue comes is when you walk in that day and because there was a root cause somewhere that was out of your control and could have been avoided, you're working till 12 a.m., 1 a.m. in the night. That's not what I'm okay with. I don't think anyone's okay with that. And so that's what we try to avoid. Yeah, I think like Joe said, you know, anybody who, who wants to be in this industry, be like an auditor or a tax side, this is not an industry or a job for everybody. Like, And you're going to realize it in the first few months of your career. And then you come to that realization, make a change. Don't just stick there because you need a job. I like that. Straight talk. That's perfect. Well, let's say I'm listening to this podcast and I'm in my early 20s, mid-20s. I'm thinking, wow, that sounds cool. I want to be like Joe and Sheehan. I want to have a business like this. What do you feel it's critical that I understand about going into business? Joe? Well, if this is something you want to do, then you have to be strategic. I've taken a straight Finder 2.0 test. Are you familiar with it? It's, it's Gallup yes. did it. Okay. And I bought one for Shihan and I told him to do it. It's very, very accurate. And one of my strengths was strategy. I can tell you that where I'm at today is in a lot of ways, how I got there would have been different than I probably would have written it down. But it's not a surprise. It's not a surprise at all. I was thinking this and I was planning for this. Guess what? When I was probably a year and a half at KPMG saying, hey, one day I want to be on my own. Am I at the right place to be able to service my future client? And nothing came to fruition until a few years after that. But I was planning already. And I would tell someone who's coming out working for someone else is it's going to be very hard to be successful in this business if you don't know what you're doing. So put in the time, put in the time, get the sweat equity and work for and don't be scared to play politics. And what I mean by that is politics to put yourself in situations that are going to benefit you, whether it's knowledge, whether it's an experience whether it's a client that you want exposure to, you have to put yourself into that those situations. And a lot of times you have to be, I would say the work is shrewd, right? Be shrewd, be strategic, put the time in, assess every two years where you're at, but it's going to be very hard. Look, and some people make the jump very early and that's okay. And they make the jump and, you know, maybe they have some tax clients and maybe they have some bookkeeping clients. That's okay. They can do that. But to get to that next level, which is to be that firm that's making a million to five million or even five million to 10 million, you need the skill. You need the sweat equity to get there. Because if I would not have had the experiences that I've had, I don't think that 
we'd be where we're at as fast as we're at today, just even with regards to processes, technology, and all those things, team. And so that was very essential. So be shrewd, be strategic. Good deal. Shihan, what are your thoughts? What do you think it's critical? They know. So let me tell you, I'll share some of my experience. So mid-20s, you know, you might, here's the thinking style for anybody. So you're going to be like, hey, I completed my bachelor's, my master's, high GPA. I'm passing my CTA. I'm ready to be a CPA and serve clients. And you're absolutely wrong. Because when I graduated, you know, I graduated with a 4.0, perfect GPA. I got my CPA within the next year, all 90s. And the first year, year and a half, I sucked at what I did because you really need the actual practical experience at the job. And the sad part is that in some accounting firms, you don't get that exposure. You don't get the right mentors. You don't get the right managers to grow you to the next level. So in your mid-20s, if you want to start up an accounting firm, the first thing is, you know, just pursue that technical skills. And who you work for and who you work under makes the biggest ever difference in your life and the career. And I was fortunate to have those, you know, good mentors who always pushed me and I took that I took that as a force of influence and I pushed myself personally as well, always just work one step above me. And that's what you need. Not the degree or not the CPA or the certificate. You need the right people to grow you. Okay. If I can interject, Mark, again, there was a quote or an article that was floating around LinkedIn for a while and it's from a Navy SEAL. It talked about the title or the conclusion or the summary, whatever you want to call it, was be comfortable being uncomfortable. And I think for the most part, that's how our firm operates. Let me give you a practical example. Is Andrew is an associate. Now, he interned for another firm, so he's not straight out of school fresh. All right? He's worked for another firm, so he has some public accounting experience. But guess what? Day one, I would probably say, not day one, the first week, I'm taking him out to a client. And, you know, we're going to be doing some advisory work out there. And, and I tell him, I say, Andrew, I'm sorry, but I don't have to step away. I'm going to leave you in this situation. You're going to learn. Don't worry. You're going to make some mistakes, but it's okay. This is the best way you're going to learn. And I'm here for you. I'm not going to be too far away. I'm here for you, but this is how you're going to learn. And I think I've really adopted that, at least for me personally, and I think the firm operates as well. Shion operates like that in some ways as well. Is that's how we operate. And if you look at some of the great leaders, Patton, Nike co-founder, Phil Knight was very influenced by Patton's leadership style. And that was their style, which it was tell them what to do, not how to do it. That is good. Wow. First week, sitting there with clients. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Shihan, what did you tell me, Shihan? You, you told me something funny when I called you. I called you right after I left the meeting. After I left, because I left Andrew, I'm like, hey, Shihan, I left Andrew out there. You know, I'm just kind of getting the feedback. I said, you know what? I'm actually really surprised because he told me that, well, when I told him, I said, hey, Andrew, I'm going to step away. Well, when I came back, you know, after I came back from stepping away, we were talking about the next week, and he goes, Hey, you don't have to come out next week. And I thought that was, I was, I was really impressed by that. So I called Shion. What'd you say, Shion? You said you made a comment about that situation. You said he's either going to hate accounting or love accounting, but it's going to be either oh, or. Yes, yeah, yes, I did that. <laughs> yeah. You got the right guy on board. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's perfect. Well, I end every podcast with the same three questions. Before I get to that, though, is there anything else about the firm that we should know or any milestones that you want to share, philosophies, anything like that? 
I have, like I told you before, I have been working on my crypto article for several months right now. And it is getting published on the Tax Advisor magazine. I mean, if you're a CPA, the Tax Advisor is a go-to magazine. And, and when I was an associate and senior, that was my Bible. Like I always read it. It's a really good magazine, and not many people can get things published there. And especially for a firm like our site, it's unheard of that, that you have published materials online. So we are really proud about it. And as a matter of fact, I'm already working on my second article as well. We could be a small firm, but we have a lot of capabilities. Capability. So on that, I would say something I'm really proud of is we are concluding, we'll probably conclude in the next month, our third M&A transaction. And so we had that part of our practice. I was fortunate enough that I got due diligence experience, both buy and sell side. And so, you know, we have that capability, which I think is pretty unique for a firm our size or firm we're at in our business cycle. And so we've done both. We've done two buy and one sell. So we're, we're on the sell right now. And from a dollar value perspective, it is going to be around five million total that we, you know, assisted with as far as transactions are concerned. So I'm pretty proud of that. Wow. That is impressive. It is. Well, let's get into the final three questions and we want detail, but we keep it a little short since there's two of you <laughs> on the line. We, I want to be respectful of y'all's time and obviously the length of the podcast. First one, career-wise, what has been your proudest moment? What do you think, Joe? It was when I was at KPMG. I was very fortunate to have a senior manager put me under his wing, let me work on really cool projects. I'm still thankful to this day about the experience he gave me. And we're working on a $300 million plus counting method change for a Fortune 500 company. And basically, those type of teams are very slim, so there's not going to be the traditional structure where you have the associate senior manager, senior manager director. It's basically just the senior manager and you. And he couldn't make a call. And so we were going to have a call with the controller that day of this company, this huge company. And he said, hey, Joe, can you take that call? And here I am about a year and a half into my career, and I'm running a call with a controller of a multi-billion dollar company regarding a $300 million method change. And at that point, I said, you know what? I think I'm going to be all right. So that was my proudest moment. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just thinking about how then later it happened, you know, with your own team member there. Hey, don't worry. I'm going to leave you with a client. You might make a mistake, <laughs> but no problem. So you had, you had a good teacher. <laughs> right. Perfect. Well, what about you, Sheehan? Proudest moment. I think uh, I have two. I mean, number one is, you know, being an entrepreneur and being able to be your uh, partner of uh, Jack CPAs. That means a lot to me. And the second thing is, this is one of my bucket lists that I was, uh, that I was able to check off is getting something published on the Tax Advisor magazine. So those are my two proudest moments so far. The next bucket list that I think me and as a firm we have is, you know, just going to CNBC and just share our expertise on some area, maybe crypto, maybe blockchain, maybe something else. But that's my next one on the bucket list. Oh, I like that. <laughs> okay. So the second question is, tell us about a mistake you've made and what you learned from it, of course. But frankly, the bigger mistake you share, the better. Joe, you want to take this one first? <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
I'm at the big four. I'm working on, of course, another big consulting project, huge project. And like I said, those teams are very slim. There's not a lot of review. You and, and the top guy, the senior manager or partner, whoever it may be. And I'm going to try my best not to get into tax jargon, but essentially it was an inventory method change pertaining to LIFO. And there was some components that really the calculation was really driven off of, you would call it base year numbers. All right. And that base year is essential and it will dictate what happens in the future. And so I complete the calculation, turn it in, and something's just not right. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to me, but at that point, Michael, I don't know what it is. It doesn't make sense to the senior manager, and it doesn't make sense. We actually got, in the big four, they have a specialist from, uh, they call them WNT, Washington National Tax. They come out, you know, they help out with some of these very high technical projects, and didn't make sense to him. And we're looking at this, looking at this, pouring over this for days, and we're charging a pretty penny for that. Of course, we're not going to turn to the client until it makes sense to us. Well, we figure out that the data source, the base year data source was wrong, and it was because it was my fault. And that was really embarrassing because we got a lot of people involved. We got, uh, there was a lot of back and forth, and for it to be essentially the quality of the data was what was driving it. And from that point on, I remember telling the senior manager, well, here's why it was wrong. Here's why it doesn't make sense. And he was very grateful about it. He was like, it's okay. He didn't throw me under the bus. I was very appreciative of that. We figured out a way to explain it. We had to give it to the client at that point. But what that taught me before I turn in anything is just take a step back and ask yourself, does this make sense, right? And a lot of times if you ask yourself and you just kind of take a step back and look at what you're about to turn in or deliver, you'll catch those things before you send it off. There you go. That's an important lesson. It really is. What about you, Sheehan? How to, I don't know. No cryptocurrency examples. <laughs> I always try to Sheehan's you know, perfect. Minimize. No, no, absolutely not. I try to minimize my regrets and mistakes in, in everything that I do. But I, I do have a big regret and maybe a mistake. That's me not pursuing something related to IT when I joined school. Meaning, you know, learning a language like C++, Solidity, or Python, because I see a lot of potential right now in this economy, the tech industries, the blockchain, and everything, and, and I feel like I'm restricted because I just don't know how to speak that language. But that's just an overall, I guess, you could say a mistake I think I made. Okay, that's good. Well, last question, and then we'll go ahead and close it down. Let's mix it up a little bit. Sheehan, you go first on this one. What's the best piece of advice that you've ever received? So this advice I received from my one of my previous managers in my accounting firm in East Coast. Her name is Iwan. I joined there as an intern, and I always wanted to do well. And even though I wanted to do everything well, you know, as an intern, you always make mistakes. So just to make it short, her advice was, Pretty simple. If you're an intern, act like an associate. If you're an associate, act like a senior. If you're a senior, act like a manager. If you're a manager, act like a partner. And then that's how we achieve expectations. Wow. There you go. You, you, like know, that. you notice she didn't say, if you're an associate, you act like a partner. Because that's one of the problems. That I, <laughs> <So>. <laughs> <laughs> See, I think I was the, always the associate that acted like I was four levels higher. So I think that was my, my issue. <laughs> 
I, I wasn't as fast as you, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> well, what about you, Joe? Best piece of advice? I read a lot. Okay. So this is there's a couple of things that I could probably say and that were very helpful, but I think what has been really relevant here lately. So I think this is a, just a collective idea. I think that if you read a lot of self-help, development, personal development, those type of books, that you'll kind of get this theme from it. And so it's not a specific book, even though I'm pretty sure they explicitly state something like this, but it's just it's just an overall theme about being, you know, the best you. And that is that in life that it's very important to develop an awareness of situations and opportunities. And what that means is life is so busy, right? You get up, you think about what you have to do. You go throughout your day, you're reading your emails. It's just so much busy that we don't, people just don't spend enough quiet time. I spend my, every morning I spend some quiet time just in meditation and thought. And I think it's really important that you have that a sense of awareness because we didn't get into it. But the way Jack was founded, like I said, it happened a little bit different than I would have expected. But Jack was founded because for, and this is a whole separate story, is basically the way I left my previous firm was I had a different ideology. There was a different ideology there. And we ended up one day in the office and someone sitting in front of me and saying, Joe, I accept your resignation. Now, I didn't resign, but I know what that meant. And if I didn't have that awareness of the situation and of the moment, I could have easily gotten another management, senior management job at a reputable accounting firm and been really successful. I was managing about $800,000 at the time and being good at it. His words to me were even, hey, I can't say anything about your performance. We just have a different philosophy. And if I didn't have that awareness of the situation, I would have crumbled. But I saw the opportunity. And a lot of times, opportunity comes from things that seem like tragedy. And so you have to have that awareness, though, to be able to seize that opportunity. Because if I didn't seize it then, who knows if this would have happened at the time that it happened? We don't know. But because I seized it, we're here today. Wow. Thank you for sharing that because I know some of our audience has gone through those types of situations, and that's a great outlook to have. It really is. Thank you very much. Well, for the audience, this has been Life in Accounting, a podcast production of whereaccountantsgo.com. If you haven't yet visited that website, please do. We're going to have the show notes for this episode, of course, all our other episodes, and we have links to all the various certifications in accounting, including review courses, which can be very, very helpful. That website, once again, is www.whereaccountantsgo.com. And on that note, guys, any final thoughts or words of wisdom for the audience? Shihan? Be an entrepreneur in this economy. Take the risk and always remember that, you know, you suffer more in your imagination than in reality. So just do it. There you go. Joe, do you have anything to add at this point? Yes. All hard work leads to profit. And if you're not getting a return, then it's like being on a farm, right? You're working hard, you're working hard, you're planting, you're going to get a harvest. And if you're not getting a harvest, it might be because you're planting on someone else's farm. So all hard work leads to profit. And if it doesn't, you might be in the wrong place. Very well said. Beautiful. Definitely. Well, thank you again to the audience for joining us. We will see everyone next week. There's more to come.